0: yeah any story you hear about me and donuts you know that's not true i don't eat donuts i tell you what i did do though when i was a young young fellow, i once was i would fry donuts uh, you, you put the donuts in this big vat of grease and i would have this drumstick and i would flip them over the timing was critical it was a real art form in those but no not not a donut eater all right we are about to close out this has been an eight-week series we're about to close out this series paradoxes of life, but I want to start out with giving you something to think about, which I've tried to do each week. Uh, Imagine that you're contacted by a group of headhunters, not the type with spears and shields, but the, the kind that look up people for jobs in the business world. So you're contacted and you're kind of shocked because you weren't expecting anything and you might be thinking, you know, I don't even have specific qualifications for whatever they might be wanting. And it's it's this global company that's extremely well known one of the most powerful, one of the most wealthiest in the world, and the very owner of the company is talking to you and says, Look, you don't know me, but I know you, and I would love to have you come and represent my company globally. Uh, I'll train you, and I'll continue to mentor you as time goes on. I can guarantee you one thing. If you will come to work for me, if you will represent my company globally, there is no pay package, no benefits package in the world that will match what i'll give you sounded good so far no qualifications only qualification is willingness i am available remember we just sang it so this person's saying i just need to know are you available they they said now however I, i have to tell you the job will require you having some conversations with people globally that may not always go well they may be a little uncomfortable he says to be perfectly honest with you I'm looking for somebody that's ready to invest about 30 years of their life and after that you will be so set you won't ever have to think about working again but honestly the job might be dangerous at times to be very honest now here's the thing no matter how much discomfort you have no matter how much danger you are in here's my word to you owner of the company my word to you is that I will always personally move heaven and earth do whatever is necessary to rescue you if you're in a bad situation I will always have your back however it could be a little dangerous at times how many of you would be a little not so sure if you want the job. Can I just see your hands? You can raise them a little higher so I can see them. Okay. How many of you would say, I want the job, Randy? I want it right now. Okay. You're hired. <laughs> what I just gave you essentially was the job description that Jesus Christ gave to a man called Saul of Tarsus. We know him as the Apostle Paul. Spirit of God used him to write 13 books in the New Testament it's really amazing when you read about Paul's conversion in Acts chapter 9 it's about AD 35 and when he confronts when the risen Christ confronts Paul who was seeking to destroy the church of Christ he, he tells him he says look you're, you're a chosen servant which must have been a shock to hear he says you're, you're a chosen servant of mine and here's the thing I'm going to show you I'm going to show you I want you I'm going to take you I want you to proclaim me tell people about me both Jews and Gentiles kings and those in authority I want you to go and represent me but you're going to have to suffer an awful lot from me however in your sufferings I will always rescue you I'll rescue you now when Paul heard that That must have been confusing on multi-levels. First of all, he was seeking to destroy the church of Christ, and then he realizes that Jesus really was the Messiah. But then when he hears this job, this job offer, I want you to be my global representative. However, it's not going to be an easy task, and I'm going to have to rescue you. Now, the whole rescue part is not good to hear, because when you need to be rescued, you are in trouble. But that's essentially what Christ said to Paul and Paul then gives 30 to 32 years of his life the next 30 to 32 years available and as a servant of Christ now I'm going to have something up here on the screen there there are a set of emotions uh, feelings and think about which ones we would choose would you rather feel which would you rather feel calm and competent or panicked and overwhelmed easy right no brainer right what about this? Would you rather feel safe and comfortable or endangered and uncomfortable? You say, Well, Randy, that's stupid. Everybody knows what they which one, which set. Let it sink in for a minute. What if, what if Christ Himself were to have a personal conversation with each of us? And he says, in order for you to become the best version of yourself, in order for you to become like me the christ-like version of yourself in order for you to maximize your days on planet earth to make the most positive impact possible it's in you i'm going to be with you i'll work in you i'll work through you but here's the deal you've got to be willing to have many an uncomfortable conversation with other human beings and you've got to be willing to be put in many, many uncomfortable experiences, experiences that you would rather avoid, that you would rather run from. But if you're willing to have uncomfortable conversations with people, conversations you would rather avoid, conversations you know are not gonna make people feel happy all the time, conversations that are gonna result in some measure of conflict, And if you're willing to experience things, go through experiences that you would rather avoid, they're gonna be very uncomfortable. They're gonna take you to a place where you're wondering if you can put one more foot in front of the other. They're gonna take you to a place of emptiness and brokenness that you've never been before. But if you'll do this, and if you'll trust me, I'll rescue you, I'll be with you, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. And in this process, I will develop you you will grow you will become who you were always meant to become and you will be able to do what you were always meant to do your life will not be a waste it will not be a blowout and you will utterly be glad for all of eternity as well as in this life that you were willing to take the uncomfortable path not going to ask for hands but if that were the offer of the lord jesus christ the creator of the universe the one that loves each of us so much that he went to a cross to display it and prove it and if he says listen your best self can only develop in this fashion and your maximum impact can only happen if you're willing uncomfortable conversations and uncomfortable experiences if you're willing if you're willing we can go far we can do a lot we can accomplish a lot What would your answer honestly be? I want you to just stop for a minute. Just think about it. What would your answer be? The Spirit of God, the Lord Jesus himself, is present. He's reading each of our hearts. He's reading each of our minds. We sang that song a minute ago, Available. And so now his Spirit is searching each of us to find out how available we are. And he's trying. He's trying to say, I know you're hesitant. I know you're uncomfortable. I know you're a little fearful. But just trust me. Just trust me. You'll be so glad. The world will be so glad. Everybody that crosses your paths will be so glad if you'll just be willing to trust me. I'll show you something you would never believe. I'll show you that there is tremendous strength and power in weakness. We're in this series called The Paradoxes of Life. And each week, and this is the final week, I'll say it, a paradox is something that on the surface does not look to be true, but in fact, it actually is true. And when it comes to spiritual things, that's often the way it is for us because we don't know how much we don't know. We all think we know more than we really know because we're sense-governed creatures and things that are spiritual, we can't, really, uh, we can't get our hands around quite as, as easily. The other thing we don't know is that we don't know how much Jesus actually knows about everything in life. We tend to segment parts of our life and think, you know, when it comes to this part of my life, I'll handle this my way. Uh, I don't really need Jesus' instruction, direction, advice in this area. Hence, spiritual truth is always seems sometimes paradoxical to us. Now, here's here's our paradox for today. We're going to cover strength in weakness. This is a portion of scripture I've covered a lot of different times. I'm going to take a different angle on it today, and it's an angle that, frankly, Uh, after a multitude of years of dealing with this portion of scripture that that the spirit of god kind of showed me in a different way this past week which is a lesson in and of itself we can read god's word over and over and over and over decade after decade and and there are spiritual layers that god can show us that we never saw before all right i'm going to take you right to the passage this is written by the apostle paul once again i told you how he was you know Uh, converted where Christ the risen Christ appeared to him this is about 22 years after Paul had been a follower of Christ and he follows Christ a total of about 30 to 32 years it's a little bit difficult to to get exact on that but this is about 22 years into being a follower of Christ here's his words he says even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God so to keep me from becoming what is the word proud Proud. let's mark that off We human beings, ironically, we have a tendency, a proclivity to become proud about the most silly things. I I suspect the reason is is because without Christ being present and without us getting the affirmation of our value by seeing in his eyes and the tone of his voice, we're always searching for affirmation for our value. And hence, one of the ways that we try to feel more valuable, more important is comparing ourselves favorably in some area of life to others and we get a little bit puffed up a little bit proud and it's kind of pathetic but that's what we tend to do so god's concerned he says you know i've given you paul revelations tremendous revelations you've heard things seen things and no one else has heard it's going to be put down into the bible but i'm concerned so to keep me from becoming proud i was given a thorn in my flesh what is this thorn in your flesh paul what do you mean a messenger from Satan no word messenger there it means angel it's the Greek word angelos it's it's angel there's been a lot of mystery around this passage some people say oh it was a physical ailment that Paul had it was his bad eyes it was some kind of form of malaria or something very clearly this text is teaching that it was a fallen angel an angel of the devils an angel of Lucifer's that was particularly a sign to Paul and when you follow his ministry in the book of Acts particularly Acts 13 through 20 or Acts 13 through 28 even you can see it again and again everywhere Paul went and started to tell people about Christ bedlam breaks out chaos breaks out uh, resistance he meets resistance again and again you're going to see in a minute just how severe the resistance was I believe it was this particular angel that created chaos and resistance everywhere paul went let's get personal about this for a minute have you ever have you ever taken that 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 kind of bold leap and you started talking to somebody about christ you know, you were maybe a little hesitant, a little shaky, but you just started talking to them. Christ was, uh, you know, the most important person in your life, so you want to share with them. You you want to, if possible, draw them, attract them to Christ, and you started talking to them about Christ, and then all of a sudden, they became resistant. Uh, they they didn't seem like they were welcoming what you were talking about. They seemed like they were putting up guards and even pushing back. How many have ever had that experience? Okay, Paul's experience of resistance seemed to revolve around this angel but you got to get it god's allowing this angel to torment paul so that paul won't get proud because when we are proud we we taint the message of christ we pollute the message of christ we contaminate the message of christ when we're proud the most almighty person in the universe is jesus the most humble person in the universe is also jesus Hence, unless we communicate the message of Christ in humility, we give a distorted depiction of what God is really like. That's why it's so important to God that we retain, gain and retain humility. I'll put it all together now because I know I've broken up a lot. Even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God, so to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger, an angel from Satan, to torment me and keep me from becoming, once again, proud. God would rather have me uncomfortable, tormented for this short journey in this life to keep me from in any way becoming proud and thereby not being able to serve him effectively. I don't know about you, but I prayed prayers. When I was 23 years old and I became converted, I prayed fanatical, fervent prayers. Oh, God, I want you to have every aspect of my life. I want you to be completely in control. I want to serve you with every breath that I breathe. I want to be as useful to you as a human being could ever be. I prayed crazy prayers, and I don't regret them at all. But when we pray that way, when we think that way, God's going to say yes to that prayer. And in Paul's case, in order to keep Paul effective, maximally effective, he allowed this torment to go on so that he would never become proud. All right, let me go further. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. He says, it's tormenting me. I can't take it. Take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need what do you mean my grace he's saying Paul you know me you know that I'm utterly forgiving I'm sacrificially loving I'm with you I'm for you I'll rescue you it's all you need it's all you need just just go as I've told you to go my grace is all you need my power works best in what does it say weakness when I feel the weakest when I feel the shakiest it's saying that God's power works best so now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. Paul says, okay, I accept it. I, I, I've asked God three times to get rid of this torment. He's not getting rid of it. I need it evidently to keep me humble and effective. <clears throat> so now I'm going I'm to glory in these things that keep me in the place of maximum effectiveness. It goes on. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles, which, you know, troubles have lots of different shapes, that I suffer for who? For Christ. So mind you, he's not not having troubles because he lived stupidly. I have had some troubles in my life that came to me simply because I lived stupidly. Anybody in the club? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, all right. But that wasn't what was happening here. He says, troubles that I suffer for Christ. It's because of his refusal to be silenced because he insisted on telling as many people as possible the truth about God, the truth about life as it's centered in Christ, that's why he received insults that's why he underwent hardships that's why he was persecuted and that's where these troubles came from for when i am weak then i am strong so here's the paradox paul says okay when i'm when i'm at my shakiest when i'm at my weakest when when all this stuff is happening i'm being insulted i'm being persecuted i'm undergoing hardships when i have troubles that that's when i'm when i'm at the weakest place that's when it seems like god's able to use me the most because i'm broken down i'm humble and i'm reliant i'm not independent i I know i can't cut it i know i can't make it without christ that's essentially what he's saying so here's our first question what kind of weakness are we talking about because he said when i'm weak then i'm strong strength in weakness so what kind of weakness now your mind my mind might tend to go toward well yeah i've got this weakness we have these weaknesses and we tend to think about some sort of a a tendency we may have toward a certain type of sin again the word sin when it's used in scripture it's god's way of telling us this is contrary to the way I've designed you. God doesn't arbitrarily make up rules to stifle us and box us in. He simply tells us this is how I designed you, and if you live contrary to this, I'm going to call it sin. It means that it's destructive for you ultimately, maybe not initially, as well as being hurtful for other people. So we tend to think of a weakness it's like, yeah, man, I got this weakness toward I don't know. You fill in the blank. What is it? Gambling, pornography? I, I don't know what it could be anything. So. We think of weakness like that, but that's not the way Paul's using it here. He, he, he's not thinking of it like that. Now granted, okay, that kind of weakness too can humble us, bring us down, bring us to a place of, of great reliance on God, and that's always a good thing, but that's not honestly what Paul's talking about there. Now what he's going to do in the chapter just before we just read Second Corinthians chapter 12, now Paul's going to lead up to chapter 12 by talking about some experiences some uncomfortable experiences that he had in chapter 11 when you were reading the greek new testament back in the first century there were no chapter divisions chapter divisions didn't come along until about 1227 a.d by a man named stephen langton so i'm saying all that to say this i'm going to now take you to chapter 11 but if we were reading in the greek new testament 11 and 12 would just flow into one another we started out today with 12 now we're going to go back in 11 and we're, go- we're going to learn a lot more specifics about what Paul was talking about all right let me go this is long this is long Paul says in 2nd Corinthians chapter 11 verse 24 he's being very biographical here mania this is just uh, after 22 years of following Jesus he says five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes folks people sometimes died receiving 40 lashes which is why the Jews gave Now, five times the man's back after this the man's back would have had to be just just nothing but scar tissue I'm not trying to just be gross about this but five times because of not his willingness not to stop declaring the truth about God and life in Jesus he was whipped they tried to silence him they tried to shut him up by lashing him three times I was beaten with rods do you remember years ago there was this kid this American kid that got in trouble over in Hong Kong and they were going to cane him how many remember that event that's what we mean rods I mean this is a bad tool that the Romans used to beat people it was it was a fierce thing three times I was beaten with rods once I was stoned now stoning it it, kind of took a couple forms of course you had your you know this kind of stoning but the the chosen way of stoning in biblical days was you put somebody down kind of like this actually you know you're raised up and you put somebody down in a pit so you can get these kind of stones and throw them down like that Paul was stoned and they thought he was dead but God raised him up you can read about it in the book of Acts so he says once I was stoned three times I was shipwrecked once I spent a whole night and a day adrift in the sea a whole day and night in the sea he goes on i have traveled on many long journeys i have faced danger listen for the word danger you're going to see it it four times i have faced danger from rivers you know flooding rivers and from robbers i have faced danger from my own people meaning the jews as well as from the gentiles anybody that was not a jew (laughs) i have faced danger in the cities there's a unique city danger and in the deserts again a unique danger and on the seas and i have faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not false christians he's saying he goes on i've worked hard and long enduring many sleepless nights i have been hungry and thirsty and have often gone without food i have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm then besides all this, I have the daily burden of my concern for all the churches, the churches that he had planted. Who is weak without my feeling the weakness? Who is led astray and I do not burn with anger? And if I must boast, I would rather boast about the things that show how, what is the word? Weak I am. So when we read in chapter 12 about his weaknesses and him finding strength and weaknesses, that list is what he's talking about. Now, now, the first thing that comes to my mind, you know, the, the first thing hits me. He says, five times, five, he received 39 lashes. Why? Why? Why, why would you do that? Paul, all you have to do, don't you, didn't he understand that all he had to do was shut his mouth about Christ? That's all he had to do. He could have avoided that entire list. He could have lived a quiet life. Probably semi-comfortable life as comfortable as you can get in the first century he just had to shut up he just had to had to stop saying things that people didn't want to hear that's all he had to do uncomfortable conversations could have avoided the uncomfortable experiences but he didn't why? Why? Why would he not? Didn't he understand that he was being controversial unnecessarily? Didn't he understand that people people don't want to have controversy? Just change the subject. Just, just you know, go along to get along. Why didn't he do that? Well, we know that the risen Christ, the one that created the universe, died on a cross sacrificially, rose from the grave. He told him, "I want you to go, and tell as many people as possible about me." There. Life in this world and in the next is dependent upon how they respond to my offer of giving myself to them and their willingness to trust in me. He was giving a message that was sifting the world. It's just like in this room today. I'm not trying to be offensive, I, I'm really not. I'm, I'm hoping everybody in this room, you're wide open to the Spirit of God, the Word of God, the truth of God. But the, the likelihood is there's someone in here, or at least maybe even a few you're absolutely closed you're resistant you don't you don't even you're not even here for you know the reason of seeking god you're here maybe because somebody cursed you or maybe you're you're trying to uh, accomplish something you know to show someone that you're a good person a moral person whatever i, I don't know there's all kinds of reasons but as the message of christ goes out you and i all humans we're being sifted in in acts 13 47 the apostle paul went so far as to say to a group of people that were rejecting the message of christ he said you you are proving yourselves unworthy of eternal life meaning that by their rejection of christ they were throwing away god's offer the one and only offer and he says that's that's serious business there's there's nothing more serious. When when Jesus rose from the grave in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, sometimes I hear Christians say things like, you know, I'm I'm waiting, Randy. I don't know what God's calling is for me. I don't know what He wants me to do with my life. I'm still waiting. I've been waiting 20 years and I still don't still don't know what it is. When Jesus rose from the grave, okay, Acts 28, He came to His disciples. Disciples then disciples now you'll see and he said these words in Matthew 28 18 through 20 he said go into all the world and make make disciples of all nations make disciples that's someone one that trusts in Christ and becomes his follower so that they can become like Christ that's what a disciple is it's one that likes Christ so much they want to become like Christ they trust in him first and then they follow him freely and fully and forever he said go and make disciples He said, baptize them. Once you become a disciple, a follower of Christ, baptize, take a public stand to let the world know that you're a new person in Christ. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Immerse them in the truth about God. And then he said, teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you, and I am with you always until the very end of the age. No Christian, no church ever has to wonder about what our Our calling is from Christ. Your calling, your calling, my calling, it is to seek to reach as many people as we can for Christ. And to do that, let me tell you what we got to do. We have to open these mouths of ours. We have to be willing to have some uncomfortable conversations because when you and I take the risk to open our mouths Some of you, I just want to tell you, just just stop it. Just stop it. This thought. Well, Randy, I don't say much, but people can see my life, and they know I'm different, and that's all I need. That's all I need. You're kidding yourself. Jesus didn't say, go into all the world and be different. He said, go into all the world and make disciples. You have to, I have to, we have to open these mouths of ours. We're good at talking when we want to talk about something. Unless we aggressively, because we think it matters, seek opportunities to tell people about Christ, we won't have the weaknesses that Paul's talking about. That's what I'm trying to get to. These weaknesses, this list of experiences, these negative experiences he had, uncomfortable experiences, uncomfortable conversations, they occurred because he was intentionally, intentionally seeking to create creatively come up with conversation with people about christ when you follow paul in acts chapter 13 through acts chapter 20 you'll find he had the same pattern he would go into every city he went in he would go into a jewish synagogue because he knew people were already interested in scripture there they were already looking for the messiah he would go take the scripture from the old testament and prove to them that jesus was the messiah and then they would sometimes argue back and forth with him you can read it on your own And often it would go real bad. They'd end up dragging him out and beating him, lashing him because he wouldn't shut up. I'm going to ask you a very personal question. I I just want to get real personal. I don't care how successful you are. I don't care how much money you have. I don't care how many degrees you have. I want to ask you something personal. I'm going to go further. I don't even care how nice and moral you are. When is the last time you intentionally had a conversation with somebody about Christ because that's what a Christian is meant to do we are meant to aggressively and i don't i don't mean fumblingly stupidly um, unnecessarily you know causing controversy but we are to seek opportunities to talk with people about christ when's the last time you prayed oh god give me a way give me an opportunity put somebody across my path today do we even get alone with god and say how could i how could i initiate a conversation let me help you with that well, what if you had somebody in your life and, and you just ask them you say you know i don't know where you're at spiritually we've never had this conversation but could you kind of tell me where where you're at with god and, and and i'd love to hear what you believe listen carefully if you ask somebody what you believe and then ask them why do you believe it say you know we've been friends a long time but we've never talked about this could you just tell me what what do you believe about spiritual things about god what do you believe and then why do you believe and then listen to what they say very carefully then at the end of it you say might I share with you what I believe and why I believe it that is the least offensive way to share Christ with somebody but Paul got into all this trouble because he wouldn't shut his mouth (laughs) we don't get in trouble because we're silent folks Satan is the same today as he was back in the first century he caused all this because he wanted to shut Paul's mouth. He knew that when Paul spoke to people about Christ, that conversation had the potential to change their everlasting life, to change their entire family, to change their portion of the world. There is nothing more powerful than when you and I start to talk to people about Christ. Maybe give them an invitation to church. That's less threatening. There's nothing more powerful than that. And Satan wants to silence that. He wants to stymie that. He tried everything he knew on Paul but Paul though weakened would not be silent when Paul talks about his weakness he's saying man after that last beating I just don't know I I, I just don't know if I want to open my mouth anymore I just I know what's coming I just after that last shipwreck I, I don't I don't know if I can take it I don't know if I can I can go through a night and a day in the deep again after that last caning I I don't know I don't, after that last betrayal after that last insult after that last false Christian I, I don't, I, I, I'm so heart, heartbroken I don't know Paul's saying it, these things tore me down they made me want to stop being obedient to Christ what makes you and I stop being obedient to Christ that's what weakens us that, that's the weakness it is that thing that keeps us from doing what God has called and equipped us to do and becoming who he meant us to become so let's look a little further he's going to take this to another level in second corinthians once again but now we're back in the first chapter of the book he says we think you ought to know dear brothers and sisters about the trouble mind you this is god's number one servant five times 39 lashes and so forth we think you ought to know dear brothers and sisters about the trouble we went through in the province of asia we were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure now, now maybe we're on turf that we can understand. I would suspect that almost all of us in here have had something happen in life, some kind of occurrence in life that brought us to the place where, where we were just crushed, we were broken down, we were flat on our face. We we felt like I don't even know if I can go on another day. I I, I just don't know if I'm gonna make it mentally, emotionally, whatever it may be, physically. That's what Paul's talking about. We were overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure and, and we thought We would never live through it. He goes on. In fact, we expected to die. Paul is saying he was under such pressure, such turmoil. The circumstances were so different. He thought, okay, I guess this is the end of my my assignment. I'm going to die. So, you know, my, my work for God is finished. That's what he's saying there. We expected to die. But as a result, we stopped relying on who? Ourselves and learned to rely only on God he's saying when I came to the end of myself I, I was so pressured I was I was so desperate I, I had this energy where I was just crying out to God I was just holding on how many how many of you know that experience how many of you know what it is to be in a place where suddenly for the first time you you are desperate to lay hold of God you are pleading with him about something you are completely knocked out but you have this, this last gasp, as it were, energy, begging God for his intervention, trying to lay hold of God. How many know that by experience? That's good. And here's the sad part. We rarely can have that same kind of intense energy to connect with God until the circumstances are sufficiently uncomfortable. It's sad. I, I don't think it has to be that way, but it tends to be that way. So. He says, we stopped relying on ourselves. We started relying on God who raises the dead, and he did rescue us. You're going to hear this rescue three times. He did rescue us from mortal danger, and he will rescue us again. Paul's saying, I'm not quitting. You're not going to stop me by, you know, whether it's lashes or shipwrecks or uh, hunger or thirst or insults and so forth. We have placed our confidence in him, and he will continue to rescue us so Paul is saying I I learned that when I'm weakest when I know that I can't cut it when I have nothing left when when I'm about to cave and about to give up when I'm scared to death when the circumstances are putting so much pressure on me that that I don't even know if I'm going to live through it and I start relying on God I've learned it that he sweeps in he rescues me and he'll continue to rescue me until he's finished until my task is done that's essentially what paul is saying paul is saying and god is saying to us you me we are essentially indestructible we're not meant to be stupid we're not meant to stand in front of a bus or you know a plague like we just went through but we are essentially indestructible until our mission is fulfilled now now we can live foolishly and die before our time scripture teaches that too but, but it's saying that no matter what we go through, God will rescue us if we're staying on task, if we're staying faithful to Him. So let me take it to another. What, what kind of strength are we talking about? So, so we know at the weakness. The weakness is these things that they, they distract us and they get us where we're, we're suffering to the place where we're wondering if we can go on to be faithful to God. But, but what does this power look like, this strength that comes in weakness? Let, let, let me give you one thing to think about. Um, i don't know how many you you people are are, you know gym people or exercise people but but gym people yeah somebody somebody gym people have a term uh and it's called hypertrophy and hypertrophy means that that i have worked hard enough in exercising in the gym that i have made little micro tears in my muscles Uh, hypertrophy is is that thing you work for in the gym that causes your muscles to actually get into a growth cycle but there's two things you usually have to do to get in that growth cycle you you have to usually work to can somebody put the word it begins with f failure Failure. yeah you have to work to failure which means let's say you're doing curls you you do until you can't uh, i can't quite get that last one you work to failure okay and you also have to Push beyond your ability. The thing that everybody in the gym scene knows is this, when you go in there, you might only be able to, oh, I don't know, let's say you can only bench 225 or something like that. But if you continue to persevere, you'll get where you can bench to sixty-five and so forth. it's you have to go beyond what you can so that you can what was once impossible. You you end up being able to do once what's impossible. In other words, you have to push beyond, you have to go beyond in order to stir growth and so essentially what paul was saying when you go through these things and you rely on christ and you find his strength it was there all along but you didn't know how to tap into it you didn't have the energy to tap into it. you find that suddenly you are strengthened so that you're not so afraid let me just let me get at what i'm trying to say some of us in here the reason we haven't had a conversation with anybody about christ in a long time i'm gonna give you a couple of reasons to think about you 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 tell me which one best fits some of us are too doggone self-absorbed all we care about is you know our own life and our own comfort and our own problems our whole life just revolves around me my us you, you know just just make it easier better we whine and complain if everything does good some of us are just too doggone self-absorbed we don't have any energy or inclination to talk to anybody about christ some of us don't talk to anybody about christ because we feel incompetent we, we feel oh what if they ask me something randy that i can't answer well study to show yourself approved unto God a workman that needs not be ashamed it says in 1 Timothy 2 15 get in your Bible let that Bible get in you but if they do ask you a question you can't answer you know what you say you say wow that's a good question I don't know the answer to that but I'm going to go and do some research and talk to some people that have more Bible knowledge than me and I'd love to come back and share the answer with you you don't have to be afraid if you don't know but but the biggest thing that holds us back so you got self-absorption that's a big one you got incompetence that's another one but but you know what the biggest one is who said it right there fear it is fear i'm afraid you won't like me anymore you you used to like me when i just talked about everyday stuff you you thought i was a good guy you you enjoyed my company i could see it in your eyes i could hear it in your voice but man, I start talking about Christ and all of a sudden your demeanor changes and I can tell you're, you're not liking me. I, I'm, I'm afraid you're going to reject me. In some cases, it does go further. I'm afraid that you're going to penalize me. Perhaps in a work environment, you know, you're know, you going to take a significant loss. If you're living in the wrong part of the world, it's going to get a lot worse than that. If you're living in an Islamic nation somewhere, you might get physically attacked or even killed. But we're afraid. Paul Paul was constantly trying to be discouraged from talking about Christ. Satan kept throwing things at 39 lashes, three times with rods. We're going to stone you to death, Paul. We're going to shipwreck you. He just wanted the man to shut up. How many of you are thinking, Randy, I'd like you to shut up right now? <laughs> I can read your minds a little bit. <laughs> but he wouldn't because it was too important it just mattered more than anything you, you see I've had this belief since I was 23 years old when I found out that God really loved people and was full of mercy and forgiveness and, and in my case wanted to father me and direct me I mean it, it meant everything I'd never had that but what really lit the flame in me was when I found out that God was willing to allow someone like me to talk to others about him and that that was something that pleased him, that that was the way he was working out his eternal plan. When I found out that all I had to do was, was open my mouth, oh, I, that, that was the start of what you're getting now. So you have this power in you. Society that is, that is run by dark Luciferian forces seeks to discourage you, and I says, oh, don't talk about that. Whatever you do, don't talk about that. You know, shut up about that Keep your head down Keep, you know, don't talk about politics and religion Yes, don't talk about the politics but And don't talk about religion either Talk about Christ But man, Christian You, you have the power of God in you That when you release it And you're, gonna, you're not going to feel powerful That's what I want to show you I, I, I hope what it, the second part will be Greatly encouraging to all of you So what kind of strength, what kind of power Are we talking about? All right Here's the promise of Jesus. This was, you know, 50 days after the disciples uh, you know, we're, were waiting in Jerusalem. Jesus, Jesus had told them 50 days after Jesus was crucified. He said, wait in Jerusalem until you receive power. He says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be. How do we know whether we have the power of the Holy Spirit? What is the power of the Holy Spirit operative in me going to look like? Operative in you look like? You will receive You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes to you, and you will be my witnesses. What does a witness do? Opens their mouth and gives testimony. You will be my witnesses, telling people about me. What does it say? Everywhere. When's the last time? Where's the last time? You intentionally. You know what I used to do when I did construction work? I I, I became a Christian at age 23 and I did construction work uh, for 17 years and the last 10 of those years I was a Christian so I would go home in the evenings and I would imagine conversations with the guys I was working with I'd say okay I could say this and I'd, I'd write this stuff down and then he might say that and I'd write that well how would I answer that and I'd find the answer to it in the Bible and then I would go next day all prayed up and I'd be just waiting and I'd initiate a conversation and I was not obnoxious. I mean, I could talk about sports and other things too. You know, I, I try to be a normal guy, I didn't get all weird-eyed. But I initiate. <laughs> yeah, you, know, you ever watch some Christians, you know, they they're they're real nice people, and then all of a sudden they start talking about Christ. And they, you know, do you know, do you know what the Lord says about eternity? You know? It's like, what happened to you? Who are you? <laughs> no, it's got it's gotta flow from within you. It's gotta be who you are, you know? So I would make up these dialogues, though. I'm telling you this to say intentionality. Do you think Paul didn't think about what he was going to encounter when he started talking to people in various cultures about Christ? I guarantee you he thought about it. He prepared you and I if we're going to represent Christ well. And here he's saying, in you, if you've put your trust in Christ and you're his follower, God's spirit is in you in me wanting wanting to release power life changing power most of us in this room when we have come to to experience Christ hear the message of Christ and put our trust in him and follow him we've had our life completely revolutionized completely changed in a beneficial positive way this is this is a tremendous power but we have to cooperate with God a witness is somebody that's going to give testimony about someone or something they know telling people everywhere about me in jerusalem throughout judea in samaria and to the ends of the earth so the holy spirit indwells everyone that puts their trust in christ and becomes his follower but his main reason for being in us is is not to empower us to be nice holy people christian i want to insult you for a minute can i insult you christian You, you give me permission to insult you we are too stinking self-absorbed and concerned about how holy we've become too insulated, too cowardly, too lazy too self-absorbed and we are not doing the one task that Jesus empowered us and commanded us to do forgive me for insulting you forgive me, okay but I'm I just, you know every, a little insult every once in a while Paul said insults were part of, the, part of that package you know, that he received <laughs> now, here's where it gets encouraging When the Holy Spirit is operative in us to be witnesses, and we receive this strength and weakness, what what, what does it look like? What what does it feel like? Do we suddenly, you know, our chest puffs up and we just we have this tremendous courage and boldness, or do we still have the same hesitancy and timidity? Watch this. Here's Paul's own testimony. I came to you when he's talking about when he came to Corinth. I came to you in weakness timid, and what's the last word? Trembling. Paul is saying, when I, when I first came to you guys, and I knew what I was going to do. I knew I was going to talk to you about Christ. I knew I was going to initiate conversation. <laughs> I tell you, I was scared to death. Of course he's scared. My man's been beaten up everywhere he goes. I mean, the 39 lashes from the Jews, the three times getting, you know, caned. and I mean, so he's scared, literally scared. He's like, okay, let's see how this goes. You and I know that when we initiate a conversation with christ we often feel scared how many would just admit the few times that i have tried to initiate a conversation with somebody randy i was scared how many would just say that yeah because the person that once liked you may now think differently about you and you don't like that nor do i nor did paul he says i came to you in weakness timid and trembling now mind you this is the power of the spirit of god in him and my message and my preaching were very plain rather than using clever and persuasive speeches i relied only on the power of the holy spirit i did this so you would trust not in human wisdom but in the power of god here's what i want you to see paul saying i i I knew i was not very articulate I, i i knew I was not a great orator I knew I was not you know, able to be real persuasive but I didn't want to be I just wanted to be clear I wanted to be straight I wanted to be honest because I wanted your reliance to be on Christ alone I wanted you to, to have a chance to objectively encounter Him I didn't want my personality to overwhelm you or repulse you so he's saying though here's what I want you to hear when you and I are in league with the Holy Spirit and we are stepping forward to be witnesses we will often feel inside weak we will not often feel strong we will often feel scared we will not often feel bold but here's the key but we do it just like paul we are unstoppable we refuse to stop we won't let anything stop us we do what we're afraid to do because we've, we've become convinced it's the most important thing. And if we do it enough, and if we do it with enough people, some people are reachable. They will be brought to Christ. Their life will be transformed. Maybe their whole family, maybe generations in their family will be changed. We know that this is valuable enough. This can, now here, here's, here's where the, this thing gets real. You see, unless you believe this to the core of your being, we won't do it we'll just say, well, you know, a little religion is good for your soul, good, good for your family, you know. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about real Christ-following Christianity. But when this power is operative, us, we don't always feel strong. Let me give you an example in the book of Acts. So here's where the leaders uh, in the church in the book of Acts, they were dragged in by the Jewish leaders, and they, they were forbidden to speak any more about the name of Jesus all right, and so they called the apostles back in and they commanded them never again to speak or teach in the name of Jesus they go back to their, their fellow Christians and they start praying verse 29 and now o Lord hear their threats and give us your servants great what is the word boldness in preaching your word goes on after this prayer the meeting place shook and they were all filled with the holy spirit and what does the holy spirit enable them to do then they preached the word of god with boldness they were probably scared to death inside but they did not let that stop them you got to hear me on that i've I've been doing this for a lot of years i am often scared to death you may not know it almost every sunday when i step up here to do what i do i am scared to death Uh, almost every sunday in fact i can go further and say every sunday that i've ever done this and i've done it for almost 40 years now i feel utterly inadequate when i'm here or in the back somewhere i'm praying i'm asking god oh god you know i don't i don't have it i i i want to be useful to you but i feel so incompetent if you can get something out of me here it is here it is do i prepare yes i prepare but i i don't feel bold I feel bold once I step forward and do it. you got to hear this. I feel scared, but when I step forward to be obedient, then the boldness comes. Then the clarity comes. Many times we have to take that step of trust, that step of faith before our emotional mechanisms start to kind of work together in there. So, the strength and weakness, it, it comes... But it doesn't come in the way that we, I think, we tend to think. We tend to think we kind of get into this altered state of mind where we feel you know, calm and confident and bold. Sometimes that's true, but more than often it's not. But the power to be witnesses, life-changing witnesses, people, that, that's deposited in each of us. Now I'm going to close with a little silly example of this. Um, if I could get that picture up here. The Guardian exo it, it's a powered exoskeleton that makes you 20 times stronger superhuman strength is is now possible for mere mortals imagine lifting 100 pounds as though it only weighed 5 pounds you can see this guy's got 200 pounds so now we have these exoskeleton suits now the reason I landed on this by the way if you'd like one you can actually order an exoskeleton suit from that company Guardian um, Exo 100,000 bucks it's a bargain (laughs) you won't own it you're just renting it, but they'll do all the maintenance that it may need, and then you too can walk around with an I-beam like this in your hands, (laughs) just take pictures of yourself, that's what we do these days, Um, (laughs) but I got thinking about this, and, and the truth is, inside there, you're still the same weak, person that couldn't hold this incredible man they showed a picture of this lady this rather delicate looking lady and she had 30 pounds extended out like this in one hand and she's just waving it around like it's nothing like it's absolutely nothing and you could do functions like that for like eight hours a day and and not fatigue. so you're still the same weak person inside but all of a sudden, you're able, you got to get this part, you're able to do what you wanted to do but you couldn't do, but now you're able to do it because you're not relying on your own strength. You're relying on the strength of another, which is Christ. Paul said, we, we, we came to the end of ourselves so that we stop relying on ourselves and we start relying on... Listen, my, your, our effectiveness... It's not dependent upon our competence. It's not dependent upon even our confidence. It is dependent upon our reliance on Christ and our willingness to have uncomfortable conversations and to go through uncomfortable experiences. Let me give you one last picture. If you knew, if you knew in the next four years God would use you to reach 20 people for Christ. You would be the instrument if you knew it. But to do that, you'd have to have a lot of uncomfortable conversations and experiences with people. What, what kind of experience are you talking about, Randy? Well, people that once liked you not liking you, people that once loved you rejecting you. Uh, jobs that you once held maybe now are threatened i don't i don't know i mean paul went through an awful lot i mean i can i can say for sure you're not going to get uh lashed with 39 lashes i can promise you that but what if you knew in four years if you were unwilling to be quiet but you were going to pray and you're going to take initiative and you're going to seek opportunities to talk to people about christ invite people to church that you knew 20 people, you would absolutely be key in changing the eternal destiny of 20 people as well as the present dynamic in their life and in their family. Would you be willing to endure multiple uncomfortable conversations and multiple uncomfortable experiences because there's a real antagonist in this world whoever seeks to silence the people of God right now there's so much pressure in our society for Christians to be quiet to just shut up to just go along to get along and we must not be silent folks we must not we must speak up we must take initiative we must not shrink back even when those conversations are uncomfortable and even when they bring hardships upon us because Paul says when we're weak and when we're desperate and we need Christ that's when we'll find a whole new kind of power so I've provoked you some of you some of you are ticked off at me no doubt some of you are thinking man I want to do this Randy but I don't even know where to start why don't you pray if you need to have a conversation with me, contact me. I'll be willing to do that. But, but this is not as hard as we make it to be. You already know an awful lot about Christ. What we've got to do is start planning to have evangelistic conversations with people. And it can start with something as simple as inviting somebody to church. How many of you say, man... I'm you provoked me enough, Randy. You you stirred my heart enough. I, I'm at least I'm at least going to try to speak to somebody. I'm going to pray for somebody. I'm going to invite somebody in the next month. Can I just see your hands? God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. If we can let this fire continue to churn, God will be able to use us greatly. And you'll be glad, and I'll be glad, and the world will be glad, and heaven will be glad. And it will be worth whatever discomfort we have in conversations and whatever discomfort we have in circumstances let me pray for you father you know us you know our timidity you know how we we feel inadequate may your spirit just rush upon us stir us let us know that we are your chosen people your chosen servants you are in us you want to work through us and we are the ones chosen to be your instruments to change the eternal destinies and the destinies of people in this world right here and now help us to have boldness we ask it all in christ's name amen